Okay, hi guys. This is Headcase Podcast. Um, I'm here with Jack again. He wasn't here last week, but he's back. Um, we have a very special guest on today. Her name is Hannah Blum, and she is the creator of this blog, Halfway to Hannah, where she opens up about her, her journey living with bipolar disorder. And I found her on social media because I started following her Instagram, and I found it to be like really inspiring so I asked her to come on today so Hannah if you Yay. want to introduce yourself thank you for having me of course um can you just tell us a little I'm bit so about excited. about your blog yes so my blog is called halfway to Hannah and it's 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 not just about me it's a mental health blog um, I started it in 2016, right after I got out of college. I had been building content for years. I had gotten involved with advocacy, mm-hmm. and I love to write. So I started the blog, and it was a lot based on my own personal experience living with bipolar 2 disorder. Okay. And over the last couple of years, it's kind of turned into more of an overall platform for mental health, discussing different topics like social media, um, breakups, how things around us affect our mental health. And it's more general because I realize that mental health affects everybody, especially today Absolutely. Uh, with all the platforms and technology that we have. So that's kind of how it, it has expanded. And I also allow people to write guest posts. Um, so I've had a lot of great experience now and, and people putting their own story on the website, which has been great. Oh, that's amazing. So, um, yeah, I love it. So would you mind opening up about like how you were first diagnosed as with bipolar two and what that experience was like for you and what bipolar two actually is, because I don't know if a lot of people really know the differences. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay, so that's always interesting because I'm not too well, like, the definition of it. Um, Basically, bipolar disorder, it's bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. It used to be called manic depression. Mm -hmm. Bipolar 1 is more manic episodes. So in bipolar 1, they see more severe mania than depression, but depression is still there. With bipolar 2 disorder, which is what I have, it's both in a way, and it's called hypomania, meaning it doesn't go as extreme, but it's still there, Right. and you can have manic episodes, and then, of course, there's depressive episodes, but it's a mood disorder overall, bipolar disorder. There's so many different elements of it. Um, Yeah, I am not a licensed psychologist, so I can't give you the textbooks. Right. I'm sure sure it affects Um, everyone a little bit differently too, but, um, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, the symptoms. I mean, it goes on for days, but yeah, but I was diagnosed in 2010 and prior to that, you know, I was in high school. I've always felt different looking back since I was a kid, Mm -hmm. just in a way of, of very active imagination. And even when I was in kindergarten, garden teachers started noticing I was very good in school as far as behavior very kind extremely empathetic and sensitive to a fault and my teachers were concerned because I was always wandering in my head 
and I, I knew that about myself. But as I got older, those emotions that were kind of playing around with me as a child and, you know, getting involved in society and dealing with that pressure when I was about in my sophomore to junior year of high school, the symptoms of bipolar disorder started to surface. Mm-hmm. I did not know that it was bipolar disorder at the time. I, right. You know, people thought it was a teenage phase. Um, but it was extreme. The highs and the lows, uh, I felt out of control. I was very disconnected from who I was. And each year, it got a little bit worse. And I talk about different experiences. Like uh, a lot of it, a lot of it relates to this idea that I was the prom queen in high school and had mm-hmm. this image of you know the epitome of what you see in the movies of the dream high school experience when on the inside I was completely you know internally rotting right okay I ignored it yeah I ignored it went to college was having a great time ignored it then again they popped up and this time they just completely consumed me Mm -hmm. Um, um the week before I had to drop out of school when my breakdown pretty much happened I can barely remember um, uh, my family, my brother and my mother, I was in Boston at the time and mm-hmm. I live in the South. So my brother and mother came up to get me, I was taken home. And then eventually I was involuntarily placed in a mental hospital where I received a diagnosis of bipolar two disorder. Oh, wow. So that's pretty much the, yeah, yeah, I know. I know <laughs> it's a lot, but, um, that's basically the fast, the like summary, the Spark Notes version of right. it. Right. Well, while you were going through that, did did you have like anger towards your family because they, I mean, you were involuntarily placed. Obviously, they knew something was going on. You didn't at the time, but I mean, you probably didn't feel right. Right. But um, did you have like animosity towards your family because of that? In the beginning? No, I didn't. I didn't because I, nobody knew what was going on, including me. Okay. Uh, My parents do not have mental illness. We ended up finding out later after my diagnosis that, of course, you look back in history and it's like, ah, that makes sense why my grandmother maybe was like that. Right. But they're actually the most emotionally sane individuals. (laughs) So... Yeah, they're like so uh, the most I couldn't ask for better parents, but we're very different in in the sense that they look at things as it is. And I'm always looking for the deeper meaning, which has been now kind of a comical relationship. There was no because I didn't know. I never once even looked up bipolar disorder before my diagnosis. I had mental health was not talked about. In any place, not in my school, definitely not in my home, not because it was something that was bad. It's because there was no, you know, it it didn't pertain to us. Right. You know, and then it was irrelevant in some ways. Yeah. We were all confused. We were all confused. My parents didn't know what to do, but they came up. They took me out of college, which was the right thing. Um, And. They had, I had a, uh, an, I had a little bit of a different experience with the hospital. I went, it's funny because I'm actually writing about it right now, but when I went, I went to your regular day hospital that you would go to for the flu, to the mm-hmm. emergency room. 
and basically said, I don't feel well mentally. You know, I was crying and my parents didn't know what to do. They wanted advice. They wanted me to see a doctor. I went in the back. I was there all night. Little did I know that I was being sedated overnight, you know, the nurse, because I was immediately signed off basically um, and taken out of custody, even though I was uh, nine, I mean, 20, mm-hmm. I just turned 20. I got taken out of the custody and was put into the custody of the state. So mm-hmm. I woke up to a police officer. My father didn't know what the hell was going on. And I was taken to a mental hospital. They had no control over what was going to happen. They were not allowed to know where I was going. Oh they, I didn't know where I was going. I was just put in the back of a cop car and handcuffed and taken. And is that so? Because I you have were... no anger because nothing they could do. Right. And it, wait, wait, you yeah. weren't in their custody because you were over eighteen at that point. So it was. Was it just? Yeah, I mean, when thing? you the the thing is, is like with that problem, I didn't really do any. I mean, I didn't do anything. Right. I was not, they didn't find me on a bridge or anything like that. But what happened, people that get taken into the custody of the state are people that are suspected of committing a crime. Oh my gosh. You know, that's, yeah, yeah, you get taken out. You're over 18, but it doesn't matter. Right. It's like when you get suspected, if you did something illegal, you have no control. Your parents have no control over keeping you away or anything. Right. Wow. So what is, yeah, what was, was, uh, your, I mean, I feel like no one really, most people don't go to mental hospitals. So what, no, what's your experience with that? Like, what is that like? I can't even imagine. So I, it's like, if you could share a little bit about what was it like to be there? Or is it that, yeah, of course, Um, no, this is great because. Yeah, this is great because I don't really go into the the details of it, not because I'm ashamed, it's just because there's so many elements and a lot of people want to hear more about the questions you're asking. So this is perfect. Um, Man, what was it like? Okay, so first off, everybody's experience is very different. I had a good experience uh, based off of the individuals, the other patients that were there. what is it like? I mean, you go in and you're just, everything is taken away from you. Uh, everything from obviously your cell phone in your purse. I wasn't worried about that at the time, obviously, but your bra wire. And I talk about this as well. I feel like I know that I was molded into stigma at that moment in the image of it. My bra wire, my bra, my boobs, you know, hung low, excuse me, but my chest hung low. So I was sagging over. I had to wear a t-shirt. I could, I had to take the straps out of my pants. So my pants were sagging and I'll never forget. I had to take my shoelaces out of my sneakers. And you know, when you watch a scary movie and there's a mental hospital and there's that clicking of feet of like the patient, that sound yeah, I, know exactly. I will never forget walking in with the hearing the clacking of my heels because it scared me. Wow. That's you know, crazy. no hair yeah. time. My hair was all over the place. I was petrified. Oh it's goodness. white walls. I mean, it's not, of course, as it, 
everybody's experience is different, but I wasn't in a straight jacket or anything like that. It's not like zombies walking around and stuff. I was just taken in the back. It is cold. Right. It's white. There's like, I wanted to just paint it pink because it was just yeah. dull. And, you know, you're sedated, you're brought in. And uh, I walked into a room with a bunch of different people, other patients. It was like group therapy. That's all you did. It was very routine. You had to go to bed at a certain time. You know, you were watched when you brushed your teeth, everything. You yeah. you were a number. Yeah, you're... It's you're, almost like it's, prison it's, in it a was, way. It is. Yeah. It is. It's prison. Yeah, it's it's... It's prison without bars. Right. And, you know, because it's like, it is. And in my opinion, and and this isn't, and I always want to be clear that it's the overall, obviously, I I really advocate because from my experience, the system is completely messed up. But the people who work there were doing what they were told. Right, right. You know, they're following protocols. So right. I never want people, They, I don't blame them, but it wasn't, you know, like, it, it has to be done so much better. And yeah. I was bawling my eyes out when I went in and the people there were the, I was scared of going in of the other patients because yeah. I had seen these movies where the other patients like try to kill you at night, you know? Yeah, totally. And they were the, they were angels. Oh. I've never in my life experienced such, such something as um, like they were, they've been such, I call them like my muses. I have a tattoo as well for it because they changed my life in that way um, at oh, the mental amazing. hospital. So that's why I speak of it as a good experience. But, yeah, I, you go outside for 15 minutes a day, the food. I mean, it's wow. it's not good. And you can't be released if you act out, if you even question. You yeah. know, there were a lot of moments where I questioned things, and I got extra days on my sentence, if you want to wow. call it. That's a, That's wild. I mean, it's great that you yeah. cleared up that there is definitely a stigma against uh, the other patients. So that's great that they were kind. Oh, to my gosh. Yeah. Wow. They're the most sane individuals, some of the most sane individuals I've ever met, if you can believe yeah. it. You know what I mean? So oh, totally. it's very ironic. I mean, I feel like in those situations, the problem with those kind of establishments is they sort of are like a one size fits all thing. So they don't. Because there there aren't enough oh, yeah. resources to to individually care for each person, so they sort of put all the same rules to one person. Yeah, yeah, they're grinding. They're doing what they have. The people there, I mean, they're doing what they they're doing with the resources that they have. But right. it it's needs not like a rehab, like and... yeah, like rehab. You yeah. get you pay for, yeah. and it's and it's a. It's more expensive experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you have freedom. Yeah, You have totally. freedom. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I had to take the meds. There's no, I mean, the the biggest thing that you can see in the movies that they do is, you know, you get in line, you take yeah. your meds, they check your mouth. Wow. You have no freedom. You have, no, and there's nothing you can do about it. And yeah. If you don't, again, you get, yeah, so... Yeah, well, my mom that actually That was that experience. My mom actually worked at a mental um hospital for a while as her first job as a nurse. 
So she told me a little bit oh, about it. Wow. Yeah. And she was like about what an incredible sixteen or something at the time. She was very young, so it was she said it was Halloween the first day. So it was a wild day. Oh <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. Yes. I mean I would love what an interesting and especially to be that age as your yeah. first job, like they really threw her in. Yeah, totally threw her into and, it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's interesting you say that because when I was in the mental hospital, I did find it odd that there were interns, like, taking care of us. Oh, there wow, were yeah. girls there, like, nurses that had just, like, were in, still in school yeah. and had come to a mental hospital. And looking back on it, I'm kind of like, it's not a place where you should experiment right or it's it's you know what i mean it's totally. like we you know it, that's a pretty intense experience right but, it's not a place um, to shadow oh man, i would love to explore her mind yeah <laughs> we can definitely set that up for you to talk to her yeah um, yeah yeah i'm like hey can i do a podcast yeah um, no. <laughs> hannah how, but, long, how long were you great. in the in the hospital I'm sorry. How long were you in the hospital for? So I was in the hospital for only about 20 days, uh, 25 days, I think. Um, I started to realize how to play the game and how to get out of there. And, you know, when you live and you're hiding your mental illness for so long, I I became an actress my whole life of putting on a show so immediately – I knew exactly what I had to say to get the heck out of there. Um, And they released me. And what was it like getting out and and having to acclimate back into, you know, regular life? Oh, getting out was the scariest part. I mean, I feel like in many ways, I, again, everybody's experience, people have horror stories about the mental hospital, but because of the people and it was the first time I was open and honest, I was more scared of the outside, even though there are so many things that were corrupt inside. But it, going back into society that I felt like had completely rejected and I was, you're, when you're diagnosed, there's no, there's no hope. Your, your, your doctors don't say you can live a great life. You can thrive with this. It's like, you're screwed. You know, this is what you've got. Here's a prescription. See you later. And you walk out and it's like, oh, my God, I like I just got out of a mental hospital. Like life is real right now. Wow. Um, I was taken back home. I was told to hide my diagnosis, of course, with the stigma, put everything behind me. It took me a little while to get back on my feet, but I moved back home. Uh, I ended up getting, uh, you know, a job as a waitress. I became a nanny. For, and I was a nanny for the same family uh, for seven years. I got back into working and year by year kind of just got back and really found myself in many ways. But when I walked out to the mental hospital, I was a different person. Yeah. I, I was like, didn't, I had no expectations for life, nothing. I was like, forget it. Right. Like you don't walk out of, I think people think when you walk out of a mental hospital, you're like, you have this epiphany, like you see the sun rising and you're like, oh, life has begun. You know, you right. walk out and you're like, what the? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Like, where do yeah, I begin? So it was a lot. Right. 
And do you? Yeah, do you, you see still... like the sun and smell the fresh air. It's like no, that's not what happened. Do you still keep in touch with um, the other patients that you became close with? Them? No, I don't. Um, I rode on. I, they gave me their number, um, but a lot of these individuals, and I had tried to reach out in many ways a couple of times, mm-hmm. but I wrote a story about one specific individual who, like a guy, and it's called, on my blog, it's called, it wasn't a love story, it was a life story. Mm-hmm. And he, like, gave me his number, but, you know, they came from very broken homes, like, and a lot of them were in and out of institutions. So a couple of my, I was told not to keep in touch with them. I was told that they were, yeah, you know, which was terrible, that I was on a different level than them and I could make it. And I'm, so, but a couple months I did. And disconnected, you know, I mean, you know, things like that. I could never get in touch with them again. So right. now I just keep them in my, you know, heart pretty much. Right. Well, yeah, we hope they're doing better, too. Um, I think, I, I mean, that's what I hope, too, of course. Yeah. So um, you you mentioned they gave you a prescription. What was it like to adjust to the medicines that you were taking? I, I'm assuming that you probably tested out a few I don't know oh my gosh yeah Yeah. oh the medication oh yeah okay so um the biggest problem and the thing we need more than anything in mental health is research for better medications because we need them and they're not good right um yeah and that's just the truth and people try to sugarcoat it but it's bad um because when you get on a pill and you gain 60 pounds or something in the, in a minute that, you know, now I'm unhealthy, physically overweight and depressed, you know, so testing out. Yeah. It's like, damn, I had two problems before. Now I have like eight. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I tested out different medications. I was on and off meds. I was on and off meds. I did not like them at all. And then I would go up. I would go down. Two years would go by a couple of months. Then I would have like a manic episode or something, hypomania. I would do something reckless. Right. Um, At one point I realized I got to do something. My life, this isn't, this isn't right. Yeah. And I went through about 20 psychiatrists because I would go in and I love psychologists. I love therapists. They're the root of the world. I couldn't live without mine. But <laughs> there were, there's a couple of bad ones big yeah. time that have stigma in them. And I basically walked in and said, being sedated for 12 hours a day, how can I get a job? I was a nanny. Yeah. I didn't feel driving the kids around. And I went through about 20, 25 psychiatrists with a list in my hand that was if, uh, like a, of how I wanted to feel. I wanted to have energy enough to work. Yeah. I did not want to be sedated. I had control. And some of them even kicked me out of their office. And I told them if they couldn't get me here, then I didn't want to be with them. I worked extremely hard experimenting with meds to find a routine that worked. It took me about five years, which is unacceptable, you know, but that's what it happened. 
and that's where I am right now. I still go through ups and downs. That will never change, but my life is completely different. Yeah. I can't even imagine what the toll that would take on your body and your and your mental health on top of oh, yeah. everything else too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we want you to be happy and live a great life. Uh, some of the medications you're not even exist. You're not even living. It's like you're, I, I was on a medicine and I remember my mom said that I was leaning over like a cereal bowl, like falling asleep. And then they're telling me to get it, you know, psychiatrists are like, you can do it, Hannah. Like, you just have to start slowly. I'm like, my face was in milk yesterday. Like, I can't work a job. Yeah, like, come on. Drive a car? Like, that's unacceptable. No, especially when I was with the children. I never had a problem with the children. Um, If I ever felt, like, depressed or something, I was a great, I'm great with kids. And I was very self-aware. I said, yeah. I my biggest thing with the medications was being asleep, especially with driving. Yeah. You know, driving them around. So that's kind of what prompted me to get it together because being a nanny was the job. I, you know, I loved it. So, yeah. and it was helping me mentally. Um. So what is it actually like to be in a hypomania episode? Like what... Is it something that you almost yeah. like can't remember when you're out of it? Or do you kind of look at it and you're like, yeah, oh, I thought I was really right at that time and look back and you're like, I was definitely in an episode. Like, do oh, you- yeah. 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 So one thing that I've learned is that we have all of these labels to mm-hmm. like if we have, you know, a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, I have energy and I'm happy and confident. I feel like bad for it because I'm hypomanic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you're not. We put too many labels. It's yeah. like, if I'm sad, if I'm too sad, I'm depressed. And then if I'm happy, I have hypomania. Yeah. So hypomania, because I, I, I'm always been energetic. I like feeling happy and confident. Yeah. I like don't, you know. Everyone does. Yeah. Hypomania. Yeah, yeah, and that's a huge problem that we have is putting on labels, you know, for that. And I'm very self-awareness is huge. Hypomania, basically, the sign for me, um, I'm very self-aware. It's when I start doing impulsive things such as overspending. Mm-hmm. Um, mania is more in bipolar one disorder, but such as spending, getting emotionally tapped attach and becoming um like promiscuous okay um yeah becoming a little bit uh promiscuous you know <laughs> like hypersexuality is a real thing especially yeah. when you're single I've right. never cheated or anything like that but um you know it's hard to see it at the time that's why self-awareness is huge but you do have a moment when you're like this might not be good and that's when I always have to go back into the doctor or something so um before I was treated I was in and out of college I was you know had a little bit over the top ideas I was going to become a singer I was wasting money I was doing all of these very erratic things yeah um and kind of yeah so 
Interesting. That, that's that type of mania. It's when you cross that line yeah. and you're beginning to damage yourself and others maybe. So that's really great that you're able you know. to like be that self-aware because that's yeah like- I mean I go through it for a while I don't beat myself down for it it's my life as long as I'm not doing it's one thing to do harm to myself as long as I'm not doing anything to right. anybody else but you get a little bit of a wake up I'm never going to be completely stable I've accepted that but that's why self-awareness is huge right I'm, you know I'm not looking for a cure I'm like hey Hannah you know um you might like want to keep it in your like this is getting a bit you know keep it in your pants or something because it's getting (laughs) out of control at this point yeah I mean I can see that there is this stigma about like being in a relationship with someone who's bipolar or you know being having someone in your family who's bipolar and not wanting to carry these genetics on and this and that but like a lot of yeah a lot of how has that like affected your relationships over the years? Um, with okay, so like dating, romantic relationships. Yeah. Oh yeah. So this is huge. I talk about this a lot. Mm. Um, wow. Uh, it's been interesting. I've I've had I've, I'm single now, mm-hmm. um, and I'm a dater. I've taken a break from it. You know, with, I had the apps and everything, and yeah. those are horrifying. But whatever. Do you, girl? Don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. For someone that has bipolar disorder that looks for the meaning in everything, Bumble is maybe not the way to go. But, <laughs> um, you know, uh, dating and stuff. So when I came out and was public with the blog, a lot of people started, you know, uh, you know, when you're dating someone, it's all online and stuff. The first thing they do is follow you on social media totally, and literally yeah. Google you. It, it's there. Right. Yeah, it's there. It's there everywhere. I had good experiences. I had a lot of bad. I had, you know, people always throw it in my face. I yeah. can't believe you didn't say that, uh, you know, and it's, and I remember one specific time uh, a guy came in and I'm so used to it. It doesn't phase me anymore. Uh-huh. Um, but a guy came in and to meet me for a date and walked right up to me and said oh I can't do this like I saw your blog just a couple my friend sent me your blog a couple minutes ago like a woman with bipolar disorder is corrupt and I started laughing because I was like no I you walked in and you saw that I was taller than you and you're very short (laughs) and like that was he became insecure because I said I know that you I know that you've been following my blog. Like I checked my followers. You've been following my blog for two months now. Yeah. So this is just an excuse. So we lied. Wow. Yeah. So we lied. And so they can use it as a platform. And one of the biggest things that people like me to talk uh, uh, about, I don't get it. Like I haven't gotten too deep into it, but, um, is I was gaslighted, which I don't know if you're familiar with that term. I am, but um, you can basically tell our audience. It's anyway. very interesting. Yes. Very, yeah. Oh, do you want me to say yeah. what it is? Yes, go, go, oh, go I'm into sorry. it. Okay. Um, gaslighting is a term that came from a movie in the 1940s with Ingrid Bergman called The Gaslight. And it is basically, she's in the movie and her husband, she starts hearing some specific noise. 
she tells her husband about it and he's like i don't hear that noise and day by day she keeps hearing the noise seeing the light flicker right and she finds that at the end her husband starts to begin to tell her she's crazy she's hearing these things and she goes a little bit off a rocker she begins to go insane right and you find out at the end she confronts him and you find out at the end that he did hear the noise he could hear it and he was doing something illegal upstairs at the same time every day and that's why the lights were flickering it's this overall idea that a person based on your mental illness let's just say um will manipulate you into believing and using your illness in, in a way to manipulate you into thinking you're insane. Right. Wow. To get away with things. Um, and I never in a million years thought that I would ever say I was emotionally abused, right? Because right. it took me a while because I'm thinking that would never happen to me. Right. Uh, you know, I don't take things from guys. Yeah. Um, but... It was three years of very severe, and the longer we went into it, the more my bipolar disorder I was getting into advocacy was used against me. Um, I believed I knew he was cheating on me, and Uh he flipped it around. I had to go. He told me that I was having delusions. He made me think that I was kind of going insane. I went back to see my therapist, and one night I heard his phone ringing, and you know, a little part of me was like, you're not insane. And it turned out everything about it was completely right. I had the girl, I had everything and named the situation off the bat. Cause I, yeah. That Um, is crazy. Wow. And then at the end of our relationship, he used it against me, um, got me into a lot of bad situations with it. And it took me a long time to not get over the love. I fell out of love with him um, prior to the, I shouldn't have stayed, but I did. Uh, the biggest thing is I'm disappointed in myself, but um, it made me see how severe it is in relationships to get the blame. And that is a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, we're allowed to have normal human reactions. So true. And <laughs> yeah, and people, you get into a fight and it's like, you take your meds. You know, yeah. oh, like if she has bipolar disorder, everything is blamed on it, and it's hard to become secure, and you feel like you're the underdog. Right. Always. But it makes sense that, in to me, it makes sense that you, it would be hard to leave him because if he did make you feel that way, then you're like, oh, well, no one else will accept me if I am this way. Right. So I might as well stay with this person. Right. Yeah. I mean, people do right. this in relationships and, all the yeah. time. And just make you yeah, feel like... Yeah, and too bad for him. Something's wrong with you. Because I don't use his, like... Yeah, I don't use him, but the story... I use his name or anything, right. but I'm sure he's horrified because the story, he was... <laughs> he's... um, some Getting something like that done to you is just like an unreal... It, it's a real experience. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I shared that part of my life because that is a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, I get a lot of stigma specifically as a woman with bipolar disorder. I get stigmatized messages every day, like all the time, but majority of a demographic that it is. And of course I know men get the same thing, but it is from males directed at me as a woman, um, and me promoting men being with women with bipolar. 
Wow. That's yeah. awful. So, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, it's already... It's hard to trust. It's already hard dating. And it, it's, oh, my God. It's already Tell hard me about it. And expressing your emotions. Tell me about it. <laughs> That's just a whole other I level. I mean, it's already hard enough. Yeah. It's hard enough, and it's just... But, you know, um, love can't be... I'm a lover. I collect vintage love letters. I'm a romantic. Oh, I love, I love love. And it can't be forced, you know? And totally. I struggle to trust. Obviously, I'm very guarded. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe, you know, in it. And uh, I don't think it should be forced, especially when you have something like bipolar disorder. Yeah. Um, you know, that just adding uh, gasoline to the flame. So... Have you ever dated anyone with bipolar disorder as well? I have never dated anybody with a mental illness. And that's not because I rejected them right, because right, right. of it. I mean, that would be pretty messed up. You know, oh, you have depression? Like, what? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no. I just have never, um, you know, that that in the relationship that I've been in, I've gone for a certain type of person. I'm not like a picky or have like a checklist. Right. But it's just I've like gravitated and... Uh, they're usually not emotional individuals. They uh, are not deep. They have like really no content about them, which is funny. They're very opposite. Yeah, totally so it doesn't surprise me yeah. that nobody has had a mental illness. My ex-boyfriend, the one that did the gaslighting, he was an alcoholic, um, but he didn't have a mental illness. He was just a bad person. Right. And I don't like, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's just like you almost you you give that other person what they don't have and they you balance each other out that way because they're unemotional and you're very emotional and that's interesting that you just, Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I haven't, but what's interesting is I ne- I didn't ever think and again, it's not because I'm a sh- like obviously I don't have to say it, but um, because I felt like if I was with somebody with a mental illness, it wouldn't be a balance. Right. But what I've kind of started to realize is I was, I'm going too far because I, I am looking for the meaning and depth. And like, I don't like to watch Netflix on Sundays. I like want to do something weird or go to the art museum yeah. and like find meaning in a rock. Yeah. And I started to realize that I was going too deep mm-hmm. into the other side where I felt like I couldn't connect. So right. I think that, yeah, like that coming sense, back, yeah. I, I would need maybe someone with more uh, a content and, a, and a more of an open mind. Yeah, totally. You want someone to fulfill Parts yeah, like these can. guys, you know, were like toast. So, yeah. I mean, there was nothing going on there. Yeah. Um, but anyway. That's so interesting. So what... I know, the whole... Yeah. So how have your... Has your family been, like, since... Are you are you still close with them, like, since your whole journey has gone on? and Yes. Been advocating? Yes. For sure. Um, I am very close with my family. I have a big family. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are definitely friends and family after me coming forward and opening out that I've kind of disconnected, don't believe in it, don't think what I'm doing is right. 
um, stepped away and um, some people in my family, but they don't matter. Right. I don't like, you know, if they don't want to hop on this train, then they, that's yeah. fine with me because, yeah, because if you, I realize if you reflect on it too deeply, you're waiting for people in your family to give you the green light. Yeah. Um, you might never go. Right. Because, totally. you know, yeah. My parents, my, my, like people, um, and my siblings as well, a very supportive. Um, when I started the blog, I didn't really give anybody a choice. I didn't ask anybody if it was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, because this is what I was going to do. And I felt like if I asked people, they were not going to be into it. Yeah. Of course, like any parent, um, when I was graduating for college and life seemed to be normal. And then here I come and I'm like, I'm going to be a writer and open up about the most stigmatized condition in the world. Right. I mean, it's not and something you need my, permission to do. Yeah. Either. My parents were petrified. Yeah. They weren't. Yeah. And I tell people when they ask me questions like this about this support is, uh, if I was a mother, even when I'm a mother, mm -hmm. even with bipolar disorder, if my child came up to me during this time right now and said the same thing, I would not let them do it probably. Yeah. And not because I'm ashamed because uh, your career chances, I was told, are cut in half. Yeah. I mean, you're taking, you're not just talking about something small. You're literally putting, a, it's, the risk it's yeah. a huge risk yeah it's crazy because um, you're it's actually illegal to like fire someone for any mental health illness but people find right. like ways around when, it and then they'll do it oh, anyway yeah. wow well when you're open about it like me with a blog yeah you don't you don't have to do anything you look at my blog you can just keep it quiet right you're like no don't hire her and you don't have to say anything that's the problem can go around it yeah. and I know that's been hard like but I'm trying to build a career and financially advocacy is very difficult but right. even finding part-time jobs has been hard because the stigma is that severe and even if I'm perfect for the job or overqualified that stigma is still there of why can't I get someone with a little bit less you know knowledge in this area that does and not right. even take that risk so right I mean it's so interesting to me because it, there are I'm sure plenty of people who are hired every day who have like an undiagnosed mental health of course illness. and then the minute you get that that diagnosis that's written there from a doctor is like the minute everything changes and it's seen as such a negative when I don't I mean even in talking to you and you're such a wonderful person but it's like oh, it's oh, it's wild to me that someone would almost take any illness in certain aspects, I guess, as like such a negative yeah. thing instead of like oh, it's unbelievable to your life. Like it adds to your life to me. It sounds like Absolutely. it makes you who you are, and it adds to the professional world. Yeah, I like I have all of these ideas of when in the future when I get my platform and I and I'm somewhere where like financially stable that I can create like all these different workshops and stuff. Of, right. Um, because I think in the in in the workplace 
place. All that has to be done is they have to utilize what those people are capable of. They don't, we're not routine individuals, yeah. but I, the most brilliant people I know live with a mental illness. Totally. And they have something to contribute, Yeah. but they can't. Right. But they can't. And yeah, and that's and that's very hard. And I used to be heavy on promoting tell your story, which, of course, I believe you should. But one thing in advocacy that I always try to remember is people can't tell their story. Yeah. Um, they have a family to feed and they have a um, they have a job and right. they can't, you know, get involved and we hype it up. We're like, tell your story, put this hashtag and someone believes it's going to change. And next thing you know, they have problems at work, you know, when they came out about it. And um, I know many individuals who are in a job, a career with families Mm -hmm. that have told me like, I can't tell my story. Like I can't get, and I'm like, I get it. I get it. I'm single. I don't have a family. Right. You know, so you could be gaslighted at work. It makes me very sad. You'll just be gaslighted at work by your boss. Oh, absolutely. It will change everything. And that's the truth. And it's interesting that like that, but it's crazy to me that like a disease, like a disease or anything, like if you have, if you have cancer and you go to work, no one's going to say anything to you when that is probably affects that affects your life way more than it would just having like a personality disorder oh my God, or something. This, oh, the stigma is surreal. It's the stigma wow. is, and especially as an advocate, the questions that I get asked are beyond bizarre. I yeah. mean, I truly believe I'm normal in many ways. Yeah. I mean, I'm out there, like my mind is a bit wild, but I am very grounded. I'm yeah. not a logical thinker. Um, but when I meet people and the questions they ask about, I'm like, you can't possibly believe this type of stuff that's coming out of your mouth. Like, yeah. you know, it's just, it's very bad. And it really, um, it, it's a, it's a disease. Mm-hmm. Stigma is a disease that's killing majority of people, uh, a lot of people in our community and the suicide and everything. Um, it's very bad and it just, I want that so badly to change in the future. So, yeah, and, and people like you with this podcast, I'm so excited yeah, that I are doing wait. it. And it's just so beautiful. Yeah, I just really think it's important to have real people's can, stories being told from, like, your like your perspective and how yeah. you're just like it's, everybody yeah. else and everyone's, like, going through the same things. I mean... I have I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was young and and a lot of what you even talk oh, about yeah. it, I'm like oh well I've been really super emotional those days and kind of thing and totally distracted and things like that so it's interesting oh, to me that gosh. that everyone I feel like So I, I have a diagnosis yeah. Oh yeah sorry go ahead No go on go on Oh no I have a diagnosis um a couple of years after I was diagnosed with bipolar as well I got a diagnosis of ADHD oh um because I was doing yes the so girl I'm right there with you yeah. like non focus group right here <laughs> um because yeah and there's a lot of um not controversy but people go back and forth with that but 
uh, it became clear, like mm-hmm. my bipolar was decently when I got on a good routine of medications, I just became an individual living with it instead of consumed by it on right. a daily basis. Yeah, totally. But I was getting back into college. I struggled severely academically my whole life. Mm-hmm. I thought I was stupid. And um, I was getting back into college. And one thing that my doctor realized was how bad my focusing. And that really came. And we did the test. She looked at my records. Yeah. And it was clear that I had um, ADHD and that we kind of, you know, like began treatment for that as well. And I always thought I was not smart. And I realized that it was just my inability to focus. I loved school after that and learning and absorbing information and reading. Um, So I'm right there with you. I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's hard to focus. Right. And once you're, once you actually are focused and you are absorbing things you actually enjoy, it's kind of like an eye opening experience. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you I couldn't finish projects. I could think of them. It was like I was in a wonderland, you know, yeah. like the, the ideas were there. Totally. But I could never put them down on paper because I could not sit and do it and focus. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I there, get it. I get it. Is there anything like you do to center yourself, like meditation or yoga or any any physical activities or or mental activities or oh for sure that you can yeah for sure um meditation's always been very difficult for Mm -hmm. me to sit and close my eyes like that long actually one time I I was trying meditation and I ended up like being asked to leave because not because (laughs) I was fidgeting or like acted out it's because she said just my energy and my flickering and my movement I thought I was in there for an hour and I looked up at the clock and it was a minute yeah and she said that other people that I was making small movements and even just opening my eyes and I was like okay but meditation so the way I do it is like exercising yoga is amazing I love it. I need to be better right now with physical activity. I've mm-hmm. gotten so caught up with like working and stuff, but yeah. yoga, um, sitting down like in a meditation stand mm-hmm. for me and just like reflecting and thinking about like saying it's going to be a great day, you know, this, that. Yeah. It's huge. And then I wasn't a big believer and self-help books until I found the right one. Right. And those have become like my way of centering big time. What are some um, of the books you You read? Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. I read if that anybody, as well. like people listen, oh, so good. girl. She is so great. Is that not so good? I listened to the audio book of it because I just wanted to hear her voice tell me that I'm a badass. <laughs> um, um, okay, you know I have it on audiobook and last I listen to it every night. Yeah, it's amazing. I go to sleep too. I go Jensen Ciro puts me to sleep every night yeah. because <laughs> it's not just something you read once. I feel like uh for anybody listening, the main thing that is that centers me in a lot of yeah. ways and makes me okay with like who I am in the present. 
totally. is when you get a book like that and it's it's like your go-to like highlighting it reflecting on different things it goes everywhere with me yeah um because some of the self-help books i felt like were too pretentious in the sense of I'm never going to be able to be this, this guru of, right. of something. And, yeah, she's you know, very get realistic. this enlightenment on the beaches of Bali. You yeah. know, I can't do that. So Right. I'm not floating on, book. like, a lotus leaf. No, no. I'm not going to float in the air. You know, my mind is never going to be completely. But I can find some type of way um, to be okay. So that book, and then I was like, oh, and then the other one, Definitely, it's the subtle art of you know not giving blank AF by (laughs) Mark Manson. Yeah, I actually have that one in my queue that I need to listen to as well. Oh, girl, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm really into like the audio books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed reading for me has turned into something huge as a way of settling um, and getting hobbies like collecting vintage love letters and stuff. I love that idea. That's a great one. Yeah, her book is definitely Thank like you. I'm obsessed with them. Yeah, her book is definitely like affirmational almost. It's it's so much yeah. she's like makes you feel empowered when you hear her tell you these things. Well, like, she's real. Right, she's very she's real. She's real in the sense of she's not pretending to be better than. Right. She's saying she's being very real to like I'm not, uh, you know, very real. She's not lecturing you. Yeah. She's telling you her story. And that's, that's the greatest part. I can relate to it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Reading definitely does help calm, calm the mind. Oh yeah. 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 Other books too. I mean, outside of like self-help books is if you've never read anything from Wally Lamb by Wally Lamb, like I know this much is true. And then mm-hmm. she's come undone by Wally Lamb. Those two books, uh-huh. um, the elements of mental illness are extremely present, especially. And I know this much is true. Okay. And, um, they were unbelievable. They're, they're fiction. Wait, hold on. I shouldn't say this cause I'm a writer, but I always get backwards <laughs> between nonfiction and fictional. They're not true. Yeah. Um, they're not like an auto, but, um, they're incredible. And I would recommend that if you wanted a book like that as well for centering, you know, and and just kind of putting your mind in a healthy spot by reading. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, have to link them all, all these books. Oh yeah. I know. I'm hoping to meet Wally Lamb someday. So maybe that will help. Yeah. And Jen Cicero, you should meet like, (laughs) Oh my gosh be like meeting oprah for yeah. me. no nothing compares to meeting oprah <laughs> she's great um that's amazing though i'm glad that you found like little tools to help you get through yeah so I mean, important yeah there's no like set you can i think you like coping skills and, and what you know like all of that the fact is is when you're just it's not easy and all of that it's not easy to center yourself I think you have to mold your personality around your coping skills totally um yeah because everybody's you can feel like you're in like a tunnel with no light at the end right yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah so what um what is like next for you in your advocacy that you're that you're hoping for yeah 
Um, so I'm, you know, trying to build my blog. I, I want to continue to expand it. Mm-hmm. I would like to uh, expand my social, I mean, my media platforms, all of them as well. Yeah. Um, the next thing is actually, I haven't really told anybody or like said it like publicly, but I am working and my next kind of big thing that I'm excited about is I've been working on a book. Oh my gosh. Um, and I'm, yeah. And I'm, I am going to like talk about it public. I mean, obviously I'm saying it right now, but, um, I'm going to hopefully in the beginning of next year, really get into like publicizing and talking a little bit more about it. Yeah. But, um, that is kind of my next big goal, um, with it. I'm not writing a personal memoir um, because I'm 29. I don't know anything about life. I mean, honestly, I'm very, you know, I'm not, yeah, like I'm not a mother. I can't give like extreme life experiences. Like I'm not there yet, but, um, it's sharing parts of my personal experience and relating it back to everybody and what we, and, and, you know, what we go through on a daily basis. Um, so that's kind of my next big thing. And, you know, always just continuing. I, I'm a writer. I love to write. Um, and building more digital content, uh, more like uh, cinematic videos, yeah. uh, discussing mental health in general. So I've got a lot of things I'm hoping for just to spread a very different message about mental illness. Yeah, that's important. And embracing it. Totally. And calling out society in many ways mm-hmm. um, a little bit. So it's like, you know, unapologetic with a taste of, you know, reality. That's perfect. Um, I should make that the logo. Yeah. But <laughs> that's great. That's actually yeah, great. Yeah, but that's, yeah. No, yeah. I'm excited. I'm this community um, is the most vibrant, empathetic, kindest, unreal. Yeah. And, and it's growing every I day. I hate that. <laughs> It's growing every day, and I hate that people that are give me love on a daily basis yeah. are considered monsters. Yeah, are consider they're not allowed to love themselves, not as a person in recovery, right. not as a person who you know is no longer depressed, right? But as a person in that moment living with a mental illness, right? And I want them to to love themselves because I see the beauty and I hate that there we live in a society that tells us it's not there. Yeah. Um, because this community is uh, the best. I'm biased, but it is. Yeah, I agree. I think it's so. Yeah, I know you know that. Yeah, after after I've been starting this podcast and like researching so much more and like even how I found you, I just. I'm like it's overwhelming how interesting people's stories are. Oh my gosh! Also, how it's like funny people it's just the are. Whole idea behind it. Yeah, everyone's amazing, but that's so great. Yeah. Well, we'd love to have you, you back on at some point in the future. Oh, I would love it. Yeah, and I and love... I love everything you guys are doing. Oh, great. You're incredible, and I really appreciate you having me on of um, course. today. I'm excited. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for the episode to come out. I'll let you know, obviously, yeah. when it's out. And okay. um, yeah, I look forward to reading your book too. I'll definitely promote that. Oh for my you. gosh! Yeah. <laughs> 
That's you say amazing. that now, but no, no, I am excited about it too. Um, no, it'll be great. Really so thank you so much. Thank, thank you so you. much. Have the best day ever. Yeah. Thank you so much for you talking too. to me and opening up. Of course. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.